You're tuned in to More Living with Jim Brogan, broadcast live from the Brogan Financial Studios at News Talk 98.7, where old-fashioned values, expert knowledge, and genuine understanding come together to give you the retirement straight talk you deserve. Jim's a former National Advisor of the Year recipient and a financial educator, and he's here today to talk about how you can live out the best years of your life. Jim and the Brogan Financial Team have been helping retirees and pre-retirees across the Southeast for over 20 years in their pursuit of financial independence. You can reach them during the week at 865-862-6800. So sit back, relax, and get ready to learn, because more living with Jim Brogan starts now. Happy Saturday, East Tennessee, and welcome to More Living with Jim Brogan, where it's all about living the best years of your life your way. You are listening to News Talk 98.7 WOKI, and today we're going to talk about things like Medicaid fraud, Medicare fraud. We're going to talk about senior exploitation. Um, We are privileged to have with us Special Agent Andy Corbett with us. He is with the Tennessee Bureau of Investigation. Uh, he's a special agent in charge, and he's been with TBI since 2001, and he is assigned to the Medicaid Fraud Control Division in Knoxville and is the supervisor for the Medicaid Fraud Control Division East Tennessee, which covers 35 counties from Chattanooga up to the Tri-Cities. Uh, he's a fellow East Tennessean, a graduation, graduate of the University of Tennessee. Go Big Orange. That's right. <laughs> and is an avid sports fan just like me. We were just talking about baseball right before we came on the air. Good morning, Special Agent Corbett. Great to have you with us. Good morning, Jim. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks for taking time. Tell us a little bit about your background. You started with KPD, is that right? Uh, no, no, actually, University of Tennessee. Oh, University of Tennessee. Yes, I'm sorry. I, I grew up here in Knoxville, but yeah. uh, and then, of course, uh, went to school here. Then, uh, uh, now, was that with Chief Yavella back then? It, was, it he? was. He he hired me. Sure did. 1995. Yeah, yeah I knew him because my dad worked with him some That's over right. at UT. Yep. Yeah, so uh, Chief Uvella hired me in 1995. I stayed there six years, and uh, it's a great start to my career. Uh, like I said, uh, when we was talking before we went on air, you know, I, I worked patrol there at the UT Police Department, and then ultimately decided to, uh, to put in for the TBI. In 2001, I was hired with the TBI. And then uh, you've been with TBI for since 01, so that's, golly, 22 years? Yeah. And... The TBI has divisions, Agent Corbett, that handle criminal, drug, forensics, technology, and Medicaid fraud. So explain to our listeners the role TBI plays in law enforcement for the state and even for the country. Yeah, so uh, kind of a little, little bit about TBI just in general. You know, yeah, so just, absolutely. Just a little basic. So in 1949, there was a, a, a very heinous uh, homicide that uh, happened up in, in the Greene County area. So kind of out of that... Uh, the TBI was born. Uh, you know, it was a b- bit of a process, but in 1951, uh, the TBI was born. It, however, the first part uh, of uh, of its infancy, the TBI was under the Department of Safety. But in 1980, the TBI became an independent agency, and, which is what we are today. Now, was it called T- T- Tennessee Bureau of Investigation? Uh, identif- right out of identification. The, oh. the Bureau of Identification at that time. So they're getting us under the umbrella of Department of Safety, which now we are not part of that. We are uh, separate and distinct. We're an independent agency, and that occurred in 1980, which, you know, there again, that's uh, how we remain today. But uh, to, you know, to your question, so there's eight divisions within the TBI, and you hit on some of those, the Criminal Investigation Division, and that's going to be things like, it, generally, it's whatever the DA requests us to work. Uh, there's some things that... that uh, uh, I mean, most of the time it's going to be what the DA requests, the things that you're going to see in the news media, the, the, the high-profile cases, the homicides, officer-involved shootings, 
uh, rapes, uh, embezzlements. There again, just whatever the DA may request us to get involved with. Typically, is going to be the criminal investigation division. Then there is a drug investigation division as well. Uh, you know, works complex drug investigations throughout the state and country uh, with with federal partners. Uh, then, of course, the Medicaid Fraud Division, which uh, is the division that I am, and I'll go into more detail with that. Then, we, then of course, we have our lab, our Forensic Services Division, which is a key critical component of, of the TBI, which services the entire state for all local agencies. Uh, and then there's a Technology and Innovation Division, which encompasses our Cyber Crimes uh, Division, uh, com- forensic, uh, Computer Forensic Evidence Recovery, uh, Internet Crimes Against Children, so then there's training, administration, administrative division, there's a criminal justice information services division. So, uh, like I said, there's eight divisions within the TBI and, and various functions and units within those uh, divisions and do, do a lot of different things that service the state. And there again, that partner with federal agencies around the country. So I'm reading here, Special Agent Corbett, it says that TBI special agent slash criminal investigators are sworn law enforcement officers with the authority to investigate, enforce state and federal criminal laws. So help us understand a little bit like the difference in in terms of jurisdiction. Like you got the FBI, yes. you have TBI, you have Knoxville Police Department, if so, if, or you have the Knox County Sheriff's Office. Right. So I would think there needs to be a lot of collaboration, oh, but are, are, do, do the lines get blurred? Well, you know, obviously there are a lot of different agencies around the state and around the country, but yes, we are commissioned agents that, that uh, within the state of Tennessee, uh, that and oftentimes our cases go well beyond the borders of Tennessee. And then you know, we would partner up with other state agencies or federal agencies. But we are blessed in East Tennessee throughout my working career to have great partnerships with the federal agencies, whether it be DEA, FBI, ATF, uh, I mean, on and on, uh, Health and Human Services, Office of Inspector General, uh, TVA, their OIG. I mean, all the federal agencies that you hear about, we, we partner with at one point in time, whether it be our division or the other divisions as well. But yes, there obviously is state law, then there's federal law. But like, for instance, for us, uh, oftentimes our fraud cases, because it is involving Medicaid and or Medicare dollars, federal funding, uh, oftentimes our cases for fraud cases will end up in federal court. So it is being prosecuted through the U.S. Attorney's Office, oftentimes partnered with a, a federal agency such as Health and Human Services, OIG, or FBI, uh, or, or some other federal agency. So many, many times our cases are partnered with the federal government and prosecuted through federal court. Now, from 2010 to 2012, you worked on a, we talk about collaboration, you worked on a joint terrorism task force for the FBI. Talk, tell us a little bit about what that was like. Okay, at the time, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, I was uh, still TBI employee assigned, uh, you know, to criminal investigations division. But at that point in time, I transferred to another division within the TBI and was assigned uh, kind of as, as a liaison or uh, a temporary position at the FBI here in Knoxville and the Joint Terrorism Task Force, uh, which, which was, you know, basically – um, the duties were regarding domestic or international terrorism. Those are the type of duties that, that was involved in that task force. But that is a collaborative, you know, a, a joint task force that obviously is housed at the FBI and managed by the FBI. But they have other agencies, whether they be state and or local agencies, law enforcement agencies that kind of come together and form that task force. And there again, address those type of issues. So I spent two years doing that. I would imagine that was pretty fascinating work. Well, it was interesting, yeah, because yeah. uh, you know you see events that happen 
overseas they're outside the continental 48 and sometimes you just you know you just kind of sit on the news and move on but whenever you're doing that type of work you're kind of digging into it kind of shrinks the world you know things that happen overseas quickly you know uh get on the radar here so definitely interesting now when it comes to fraud you know we know frauds all around us how big of an issue is Medicaid and Medicare fraud in Tennessee? Well, it's it's a, a large issue around the country, not just Tennessee, and it's something that uh, we've taken seriously in this state for for many many years. The divisions uh, has been around since uh, the early to mid eighties. Uh, whenever we became the oversight agency for the state of Tennessee. And then, of course, TenCare came into existence, you know, taking over for the uh, Medicaid program, uh, the, the Bureau of TenCare in, in 1994, I believe it was. So that's kind of it started then, and it's kind of grown to, to where it is now. So we talk about Medicaid and Medicare. Of course, Medicaid, that's TenCare in Tennessee. That's TenCare right? in Tennessee. Correct. And that's for destitute. You know, it's, it's a lot of things that that's in place for. Medicare is... Uh, has several programs, but of course focuses on 65 and up health care. That's right. Of they have disability insurance, special needs, things like that. Um, you're specifically in Medicaid fraud. Is there, what about Medicare fraud? Is that a different division? But, well, well, not, not within the TBI. Within the TBI, it's Medicaid fraud. There again, that, that's the main primary focus would, would be Medicaid for, for our uh, uh, authority and jurisdiction. However, we, we can't, we do have the latitude to, to work Medicare matters. But our priority is Medicaid. With that being said, uh, Health and Human Services Office of Inspector General, their, their Office of Investigations, they have agents. Their their primary duties are going to be the Medicare, uh, ben, uh, the Medicare uh, cases, as well as the FBI would also uh, handle Medicare, and, and 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 all that stuff kind of bleeds over. And some, you know they can do Medicaid as well. But our primary function is Medicaid. Those federal agencies are usually going to handle the Medicare side of it whenever we partner up. We're visiting this morning with Special Agent in Charge ten, uh, Andy Corbett. He's a special agent with the Tennessee Bureau of Investigation. What triggers a Medicaid investigation? Uh, and let, I want to dive into that and, and how we can be aware of fraud around us and protect ourselves from fraud. So stay with us as we visit with Special Agent Andy Corbett. This is More Living with Jim Brogan right here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. Welcome back to News Talk 98.7's Brogan Financial Studios, where Jim Brogan is coming to you live with important news and advice to help you achieve your dream retirement. Get ready to learn and live. Here's your host, Jim Brogan. Welcome back to More Living here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. I'm Jim Brogan. We're visiting with Special Agent Andy Corbett with the Tennessee Bureau of Investigation. And we're going to dive into Medicaid fraud, uh, which is a huge issue all around the country. Uh, now, talk a little bit before we get into what triggers an investigation, Agent Corbett. Talk a little bit about the difference in fraud at the provider level and fraud from the at the recipient level. The person that, yeah, yeah yes, sir, you're Jim. Jim, that's a great question because uh, we we are specifically uh, are, are tasked with investigating uh, teen care. A Medicaid provider fraud, mean, meaning a provider, whether it be a, a medical doctor, or a nurse practitioner, physician's assistant, or, or any other type of provider that may be billing the TenCare program. 
and, and there is a distinction there because, um, you know, there, there is TennCare recipient issues as well, or TennCare recipient fraud. That is handled by a separate state agency called the State of Tennessee Office of Inspector General. So they are a separate agency that handles recipient fraud matters regarding TennCare, though we oftentimes do partner up, but we have different roles that we're, we're, things we're looking at. So I would imagine the provider level is where the bigger dollars of fraud occur correct is that correct That's correct so what triggers an investigation well it could be a number of things uh, there's not just one yeah. there's not just one way i, I mean, guess we could uh, sit here for two or three hours it, and it, talk it could be as simple <laughs> it could be as simple as uh, just a citizen calling in and, and, and making a phone complaint or, or uh, we have a uh, a, a tips uh, and i can give that information out as the show goes on but our, our medicaid division we have an email uh, online uh, complaint form if somebody has information they want to pass along there's telephone number uh so, so they can come in that way uh there again they can just call in their office sometimes they may mail stuff in to us uh but but also we we work closely with the bureau of teen care which has an office of program integrity and there are referrals that are received either from the mcos or from the bureau or teen care they will send us referral of allegations it could be a spinoff from a from a, another case that we're working on. There's all kinds of, of ways that we receive cases. So what are the two or three or four areas where you see the biggest issues with Medicaid fraud? Like, give us a few examples. Yeah, probably one of the biggest examples would be uh, billing for services that were not rendered. Uh, you know, you go... Uh, into a doctor just for an office visit and then you get your eob uh, you know a month or two down the road and you're starting to see where instead of just one uh code for an office visit you know may have been on there but you're getting 10 or 15 other charges for, for you know for some unknown reason so you know that you know good and well didn't happen uh but but so oftentimes billing for services not rendered would, would be a, a big one uh, so I guess one lesson there is we really need to be sure we're reviewing our EOBs, the explanation of benefits absolutely. that we get from our from our providers, and make sure it looks appropriate. Yeah, absolutely, and that, that would probably be one of the the, the, the main things I would tell uh, you know uh, recipients. Or, Do you get issues where 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 uh, offices will send out bills and they don't itemize? They just kind of say here's the cost and they don't itemize the bill. Well, I'm sure that I'm sure that does occur, and, and I would encourage your, your listeners to to ask for an itemized or an explanation Absolutely. of benefits or, or something itemized because it kind of goes back to the who, what, when, where, why, and how of who provided the service. You know, is is the doctor who you who you saw or the provider who you saw? Check the date of service. Is it the date that you know that you were? Check your calendar. Look at the EOB and say, is it the date of service that you knew you, you were there? Uh, what was the service? Is it a service that you knew you received? And, and, you know, so all those things of who, what, and when, and where, check that to make sure it's what you know it to be. And then the bit mistakes do happen so not everything is fraud right so, right so so you know someone would need to look at it and if there's questions i would encourage them to call call their doc call their billing office uh, you know call their doctor's office get some type of clarification and then then if you're still not satisfied you know there are other steps you know contact your mco your team care or medicare you know start kind of researching that and just kind of be in tune with what is actually being billed yeah i think that's an important lesson for really all of us even of us that have that have traditional insurances um with, with any of this is we need to be reading and paying attention to the things Absolutely. that are coming to us and we when we get things like eobs mm-hmm. and then we can match especially and then we match that up with whatever the doctor sent us right. where were discounts applied where were they not applied 
you know, all that's so important to just be reading and paying attention to what's going on. Right. And, and, and to your original question of things we may see, you know, so if somebody receives a, uh, a jazzy electric wheelchair and, and, and you know, they're, they're, they don't have a need for an electric wheelchair, you know, it obviously should send some red flags. Hey, there's, there's some things going on here. I'm receiving things, whether it be back braces, a neck brace, a leg brace, you know, durable medical equipment that, that you don't need that you didn't ask for, but all of a sudden you're getting information about it or that item shows up at your house and you didn't order it. Those are the type of things they should start looking at to say, hey, there's not something's not right. So, you know, first thing would be obviously to contact your physician because a lot of those things, particularly like durable medical equipment, is going to need a certificate of medical necessity from the physician before before that or some type of prescription. And if they don't have record of that, well there's some concerns going on there. So so just basically just be aware, be in tune with, with uh, your EOBs and what you're being billed, and start asking some questions if you have concerns. We're visiting with Special Agent Andy Corbett. He's with the Tennessee Bureau of Investigation here on More Living with Jim Brogan. And the pandemic-era provisions, as they're being rolled back, Agent Corbett, each state is going to be examining their Medicaid roles to determine if there are individuals that are no longer eligible. Do you anticipate uncovering additional fraud when Tennessee looks at the Medicaid enrollees, especially coming out of the measures put in place during the pandemic? Well, well certainly. I mean, we're, we're trying to stay on top of any trend or, you know, that may be happening. Certainly when COVID happened, you know, that heightened our awareness uh, of the potential of, of, uh, of fraud related to COVID matters. So absolutely, you know, those are things that we would be looking for. And, 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 you know, it's not just us. You know, there's partners between TenCare, like I said, Office of Program Integrity, the MCOs. You know, a lot of people are looking at things. And, of course, we hear and see information out on the streets and with people. So, yes, we, we would, uh, you know, try to be focusing on things that, that may be on, on the horizon. I would think when temporary government programs are put in place, of course, I don't remember who was it said that uh, – Nothing's more permanent than a temporary government program. (laughs) But the reality is some of these things are being rolled back. Mm -hmm. And, you know, one of the things that that was brought up a lot during the pandemic was the increased risks of fraud across Mm -hmm. the board. So have you seen a big uptick in the last three years with all different kinds of fraud? Well, the potential is out there, absolutely. Uh, Was it a significant increase for us? No, I wouldn't say that. I didn't see a tremendous amount of that. Talk about in my division, and I know the federal government and and other federal agencies have seen a lot of those things, and I don't want to speak for them. Uh, But the potentials there, and those are things that we have been, you know, looking for. Uh, But you know, some of that stuff also takes time. Uh, You know, that's not an immediate thing, so it it takes time to work through the process and the system uh, of of services happening. You know, seeing physicians or uh, things getting billed, the turnaround time on that. So. Uh, you know, it, it's an ongoing process, but to say there was a huge spot for us, I, I, I can't say that specifically for us, but those are certainly things that, that were on our radar. We were paying attention to and addressed as they came in. If somebody's on 10 care, as opposed to say traditional insurance, then what checks and balances are in place at an insurance company versus at the state level in terms of catching things like billing for things where they you know are they billing for things that actually happen are, are you asking me what do the private companies do versus what yes uh, well i mean i I'll, you know, 
I, I can't obviously speak for all the private companies because I'm you know I don't work with them on a just thinking day. about checks and balances it's, and ability to uncover inconsistencies and in invoicing and things like that. Well, yeah, I mean you know it's very thorough. I mean there are you know it, yes they're very very thorough. Just as it's just what the insurances do with MCOs do with ten care. I mean. Uh, I can't give a specific example of what the private companies do, but but I just know that those things are reviewed and scrutinized, and, and you know they they look at the claims and they look at you know if they need to uh, look at records, request records, uh, you know do an analysis of the records that were submitted by the provider, you know to make sure it supports the services that were billed. So I mean, there's all, a lot of things that go on internally within the MCOs as well as private companies. So so yes, there there are a lot of that done both privately it's and a lot of checks and balances absolutely um now I, we're going to shift a little bit because one of the big areas your division works on that we see a, a lot of issues with is patient abuse neglect financial exploitation elder abuse that which occurs absolutely. on three or four different types of levels and that can occur within a facility such as a nursing home a group home or assisted living it also can happen in people's homes how prevalent is patient abuse? Oh, absolutely. As I was telling you off air, that statistically, the breakdown for our cases is predominantly going to be 10 care fraud cases. However, so, so we do also do patient abuse, neglect, and financial exploitation cases. And though statistically the breakdown is smaller, it is a very important mission for what we do in our division to protect the elderly and the vulnerable adults adults so those, those absolutely those cases we receive we receive those uh, on daily basis uh, in some some way or another and usually for the adult protective services we uh, they, they will send us uh, referrals by law they have to, to you know to law enforcement we receive those on a daily basis uh, there again we get we get those referrals uh, a litany of different ways but, are are you is your division to be clear are you only investigating issues of elder abuse and neglect and financial exploitation matters. You're investigating them at the at the provider level, like in the facility. Well, so Tincare, the, the, really, the, the kind of the catch-all would be in any of these cases we work because we our positions are federally funded, are, are 75 percent federally funded. So we have guidelines that that, that we, you know that, that we have to work. It's the type of cases we work. Or we have specific guidelines, and there has, usually has to be some type of TenCare Medicaid nexus. Certainly, for the provider fraud, th- there's a, a lot of different guidelines regarding abuse, neglect, and financial exploitation. But generally, it's going to be in a Medicaid receiving facility, or some type of uh, group home or assisted living, where a certain criteria are met. Are they receiving service, nursing services? Are they receiving assistance with daily living activities? So there's a lot of criteria we look at when these referrals come in. Does it meet our guidelines jurisdiction-wise and authority-wise to, to work those type of cases? So we evaluate those, and if we have the authority and jurisdiction, we will proceed. If we don't, uh, it may be something we can hand off to our CID within the TBI or local law enforcement. Yeah, because we've actually done shows on just elder abuse in general. And I just want to draw that distinction because, you know, a lot of the things we see in the marketplace is happening with people that a retiree might, you know, the people they know. Right. You know, and they're being exploited some way or abused some way. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, you're yeah. really looking at the facility level where Medicaid dollar, you know, 10 care dollars are going 
that's where you're looking at it. Yeah, or, or, or group homes that meet those other cr- right. criteria, as well as there there has been some expanded authority for us to work in, in other settings other than that. Uh, however, there, it has to be in conjunction with Medicaid services. So there again, you know, it may be in settings outside of a facility, you know, such as a home or some type of group home, uh, assisted living, as long as they're, you know, some, some type of nexus to, to tin care or in, in conjunction with Medicaid services. We're visiting with Special Agent Andy Corbett. He's with the Tennessee Bureau of Investigation. We're talking about Medicaid fraud. We're also talking about patient abuse, neglect, and financial exploitation. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about exploitation financially and some of the implications that we see. We'll also have our dollars and cents segment. And I've got five tips where financial stresses of COVID and then the inflationary times we see today have created a learning moment for us. So five tips we can learn from these financial stresses of the last few years. So stay with us. This is More Living with Jim Brogan right here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. Welcome back to News Talk 98.7's Brogan Financial Studios, where Jim Brogan is coming to you live with important news and advice to help you achieve your dream retirement. Get ready to learn and live. Here's your host, Jim Brogan. Welcome back to More Living with Jim Brogan, where it's all about living the best years of your life your way. This is News Talk 98.7 WOKI, and we're visiting with Special Agent Andy Corbett with TBI. We're talking about Medicaid fraud, and we're also going to talk more about financial exploitation, patient abuse and neglect, and things like that. However, before we get back to Agent Corbett, it is time for Dollars and Cents. Want to be sure you are getting the most out of your retirement? For all the years of your retirement? That's the primary goal of More Living with Jim Brogan and our Dollars and Cents segment, where we provide you with an important financial tip that will help positively impact the quality of your life in retirement. And now, here's Jim with this week's Dollars and Cents tip. The financial stresses of the last three or four years can actually create a learning moment that we can use to make ourselves more financially literate, more prepared for the future So I've got five tips uh, to help uh, take away from the financial stresses of the last few years. Uh, Number one, uh, as we've had interest rates increase and we've had the banking system uh, challenges that we have, is uh, number one, looking at the guaranteed interest options that we have available to us, both at the banking level, through money market funds, through uh, treasuries, and all kinds of things. So they're, you know... A lot of people have left their money sitting in cash at a bank, and they're still making just 0.2 or 0.3%. And the reality is there are a lot of options now where you can be earning 4 to 5% on money that is principally protected. Now, along those lines, on that same point, understanding the FDIC guidelines with your bank monies. And I think that's critically important. It's $250,000 per taxpayer ID per bank. Uh, So that's critically important to know, and that is one thing we've talked about in the last few weeks is making sure that your deposits are within FDIC guidelines uh, while we're getting through this bank 
uh, crisis. Uh, number two, the importance of inflation and how it punctures budgets and how it can be a thief of retirement income. Uh, I've talked about that for years, but frankly, up until two years ago, a year and a half ago, you know, with inflation at one and a half percent, a lot of people weren't talking about the impact of inflation on retirement income. Uh, but it is, it was, it, it's dramatic even when inflation's at one and a half or two percent. Since 2000, people on Social Security, their benefits increases based on cost of living adjustments have still lost a third of their purchasing power over the last 23 years. So in other words, whatever you drew in Social Security benefits in 2000, even with the cost of living adjustments, if we adjust today's benefit for inflation, it's a third less than it was in 2000. So it's very important. Um, you know, I don't think inflation is going to stay at 5 or 6% for a period of 5 to 10 years. I can't promise you that. We don't know. But it's very important to understand the risk of inflation in retirement Um it really sneaks up on you. We don't think about it as much because it doesn't rob us of 25 or 30 or 40 percent in one year. But it sneaks up on us, and we wake up one day in 10 years, and we're like, where did all of our income go? Uh, number two, teens are not just, they're just not clued in. Uh, teens, 52 percent, only 52 percent of teens passed a, a test for financial, for teen financial literacy. Now, the good thing is in our education system, there are more and more things being done in even the public school systems to teach our young people financial literacy. I think we need to do more. I think you as parents, we need to take it upon ourselves. Don't allow the system to necessarily teach our kids what they need to know about financial literacy. We need to be teaching them about financial literacy. Uh, number four understanding that people are living longer and longer lives and a typical retiree married couple at 65 years old one of you is probably going to live to 94 would be about average and so all of these risks of inflation and things like i've already talked about become a tremendous risk over a period of 25 to 30 years and number five uh, retirement continues to be the major financial mystery when it comes to financial literacy, only 21% of Americans feel that they know enough effectively to plan for their retirements. It is the greatest point of financial confusion. Over half typically report they're comfortable with saving money. Almost half say they're comfortable with banking. But when it comes to preparing for retirement, only 21%. That's why we bring you this show every week. That's what we do with our classes throughout the community is to try to bring you great information so you can make informed and prudent decisions that can impact the quality of your life. That's our Dollars and Cents segment for this week. You can find this week's Dollars and Cents segment and others by visiting BroganFinancial.com. Mississippi State is having their next class, Tax Planning and Your Retirement. It's this Tuesday. I am the instructor. It is a one-night, two-hour class, 630 to 830. It is at Mississippi State Hardin Valley, Tax Planning and Your Retirement. If you're retired or within five or six years of retirement, really within 10 years of retirement, uh, this class would be for you. Income taxes for most of us is one of the one or maybe the most significant expense we pay over our lifetimes is our income taxes. 
and in, we have more control over our income taxes in retirement than at any other point in your in in our lives. Go to PellissippiTaxPlanning.com. Again, that's PellissippiTaxPlanning.com for more information and to download a syllabus. Again, that's this Tuesday, April the 11th at 6:30, Pellissippi Hardin Valley. That's PellissippiTaxPlanning.com. Today we're visiting with Special Agent Andy Corbett. And he's with TBI, and we've talked some about Medicaid fraud. We just have started talking about things like financial exploitation matters. When those things happen, Agent Corbett, within a facility such as a nursing home, group home, assisted living, how prevalent is patient abuse? Well, <clears throat> there again, we kind of lump patient abuse into whether it be physical abuse. Uh, we lump, you know, we categorize that physical abuse, also ne- neglect and financial exploitation. So, uh, sadly, uh, th- that is an issue that, that that occurs quite frequently. And is there financial exploitation happening in many facilities, or are the rising costs associated? In other words, the, when we look at nursing home and long-term care costs and adult daycare facilities in the U.S., um, the costs have really go up about double the rate of inflation. Mm-hmm. So last year when inflation was 7%, it was 14 15%. And for people turning 65 today, about 70% will need some form of long-term care, meaning they'll need help for more than 90 days. Uh, taking Just being able to live, they cannot live completely independently mm-hmm. for whatever reason. Um, is is some of the abuse and financial exploitation is that having a big impact on those rising costs? Uh, I can't quantify an, a number on that, uh, I, I, but, but yes, there is financial exploitation that, that occurs across all all, you know, all areas. Uh, as far as facility type stuff, uh, you know, I, I think probably a larger risk may be, uh, you know. You know, a, a family member or someone that knows the individual, uh, things of that nature, uh, versus so much somebody within the facility doing that. I mean, you, you can't rule that out, but, but you know, somebody's going to be financially exploited, exploited that's within a facility. Generally, there may be some type of a uh, caretaker's capacity, family, friend, someone that knows the individual that has access to those things. It would be generally what what we would type see, uh, you know, financial exploitation matters. However, there again, on some instances, we we do have authority to work into private settings, uh, which kind of opens that opportunity up a little bit more as well. Now, who should we call if we suspect Medicaid fraud or any kind of patient abuse, neglect, or financial exploitation? Well, there there is a duty to report in the state of Tennessee, so the Adult Protective Services uh, would be uh, the you know a primary reporting place. I mean, I mean, clearly, if there's an imminent danger to someone, you know, call nine one one and get your local law enforcement and or you know, paramedics there to a, to a scene to assist somebody if they're in physical or danger or neglect. You know, needing you know medical care. Obviously, nine one one if it's imminent. Uh, but there, as far as a duty to report ongoing matters and stuff, you know, adult protective services would be uh, one avenue. But you can also report to the Medicaid Fraud Control Division as as well. There again, we have phone, we have email, we have a tips line. So, so there's there's various ways to do that. That's Special Agent Andy Corbett with the TBI. When we come back, we'll talk about silver alerts, the silver alert law, and also how you can recognize things like financial exploitation, not just from providers, but from people around our loved ones, whether it's their neighbor, their friend, their family member, whomever, or a stranger. So st- stay with us. We'll, we'll uh 
We'll also talk about identity theft. So stay with us as we visit with special agent in charge Andy Corbett with the TBI. This is More Living with Jim Brogan here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. Welcome back to News Talk 98.7's Brogan Financial Studios, where Jim Brogan is coming to you live with important news and advice to help you achieve your dream retirement. Get ready to learn and live. Here's your host, Jim Brogan. Welcome to More Living here at News Talk 98.7 WOKI. We're with you every Saturday from 9 to 10 a.m. and again 3 to 4 p.m. Check us out online at broganfinancial.com. Uh, you can you can check out all of our classes. If you click on classes, I've got the tax planning class through Pellissippi State is Tuesday night. We also have an income, a one-night income planning class at the University of Tennessee in early May. You can also click on radio and hear all the podcasts uh, that we do here. You can also podcast us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Just type in More Living with Jim Brogan. You'll pull it right up, and you can hear all of our shows podcast on spotify and apple podcast today we're visiting with special agent andy corbett of the tbi and we're talking about medicaid fraud elder abuse financial exploitation um we talked about who we should call their agent corbett if we suspect abuse or fraud uh, can you give us some information on how we would do that uh, yes so for adult protective services you know which is part of a state of tennessee agency uh, the telephone is one eight eight eight. APSTNN, which is 1 888 277 8366. And they have a, uh, an online as well reporting, which is uh, HTTPS uh, forward slash forward slash report adult abuse dot DHS dot TN dot gov. So that's for the adult protective services. And by law, if you know, they, they receive these, and, and if things rise to the level that they feel like you know by law they have to refer to, to law enforcement so so if it goes through there they will refer to us on, on a specific form that, that local law enforcement and, and tbi receives and then specifically for our division the tennis tbi's medicaid fraud control division whether it be fraud or abuse uh, specifically for us our toll-free is 1-800-433-5454 or an email at uh, tbi.medicaidfraud.com tips at tn.gov and and yeah, read that what, what that email address again okay tbi.medicaidfraudtips at tn.gov and, and then we have an online presence as well so there's a form on there that's a little bit more expansive if somebody wants to go online and, and provide a little bit more details and they don't want to leave it on a phone message or an email they can go online and fill out a, an actual form that gets right into our division and we process. Then, then one other website I'd like to give is the, if you remember, I talked about the distinction of us doing provider fraud. So the state office of inspector general would do 10 care recipient fraud. And if you, if you have a 10 care recipient fraud issue, that's that website is www.tn.gov forward slash OIG. And they as well have a reporting link there for concerns of recipient fraud. Now, what is a silver alert law, and what are some of the parameters for issuing a silver alert? All right. So uh, the silver alert came into effect in the spring or the legislative session of 2021. 
uh, so a law was passed regarding the silver alert, which is uh, similar to like an amber alert, you know, that you see for children. But this is for uh, there, there's various criteria, various criteria. So it became law and the TBI is the one that administers the silver alert program through our fusion center, our criminal intelligence unit. So by the, by law, there's certain criteria that have to be met before that silver alert can be issued. And one of them, are, are, there's three in particular. So if someone is 60 years of age and you know, has some type of a, a disability uh, impairment, uh, mental health issue, uh, that, that, that they are in danger to themselves and they and cannot return home safely, so that would be one, 60 years old, and, and those criteria that I mentioned. The other one would be anyone with dementia at any age uh, that, that may be in danger and cannot return home safely. And then the third criteria would be somebody that's 18 years or older uh, that, that would have some type of uh, uh, intellectual disability, uh, you, know, you know, diminished mental capacity, uh, physical disability, you know, 18 years or older. There again, that may be in danger to themselves or cannot return home safely. So those are the three things that have to be met. And whenever local law enforcement is typically is going to, who's going to receive that information first, you know, so they're going to reach out and get some type of verified statement from a caretaker family member to confirm that, that those ages, those disabilities, you know, what is their risk for, for being in danger? And then they're going to notify the TBI. TBI is going to send them a packet of information to be completed. Uh, and they fill out that information send that back to the TBI. And all this is in a matter of hours. I mean, this is real time or, or close to that uh, once that person has been identified. So once all that information is obtained, the TBI then, if, if all the criteria has been met, uh, they, they will – the main thing is getting uh, information about where they were last seen, clothing, you know, physical description, vehicle description, direction of travel, any, any known information about where they were. But the big thing also is to get a photograph of the individual so that we can make, TBI can make a silver alert poster that gets disseminated to the news media and websites and various other social media platforms. So that, that would be one thing I would tell your listeners is if you got somebody that's at risk for this, uh, take a current, as, as current as possible photograph that, that, that you can have available on your phone or, or you know, digitally that you can send to law enforcement. So if, if they, if they are gone and, and, and you have no idea where they are and they meet these criteria and you need to send in a photo, we want as current a photo as possible so we can send to law enforcement. So, and then once all that information has been confirmed and a silver alert poster is, is, you know, ready to go, all that gets pushed out you know, publicly to the, to, to the media. And then the TBI, that's not the end of it for us. Uh, so our, Criminal Investigations Division will, or any other division that may be needed, uh, you know, we, we will offer support to local law enforcement, whether it be an agent on the ground to assist, whether whether it be you know uh, aerial support, you know, you know from airplane aircraft, uh, to, to whatever you know our, our fusion center, whatever support's needed, we will offer that. Um, agent Corbett, unfortunately, we're about out of time. I wanted to get more into identity theft as well, but just in about thirty or forty seconds. As technology has grown, can you give us an update of how widespread identity theft is and maybe give us one or two tips to protect ourselves? Well, it's billions of dollars around the, around the country, uh, and, and it is, it's identity theft is huge for, for not, not just the, the population that, that I serve, but for everybody. Uh, you know, as far as, uh, you know, things that you need to look for, check your bank statements. Uh, check, do your annual credit report, re- review that. 
uh, make, you know, make, look at your expenses, make sure nothing's showing up on that. Check your, your again, your annual credit reports and, and all the things that you know to do. Uh, don't give out your information, you know, online or to phone, you know, whether it be date of birth, social security, uh, Medicare, Medicaid number, any, any of those things. Don't give out that information. Hang up on this, the, 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 the scam calls and call the number, you know, is the right number. Th- that's correct. And, you know, and, and, you know, block, block numbers that, you know, that, that, you know, that you don't know, uh, and, and you know, there's a, all, all the agencies that I've talked about here before have ways to report identity theft, in particular the Federal Trade Commission is one, but, but certainly all the law enforcement agencies that I've talked about. And I'll just add in Social Security fraud is becoming a bigger and bigger issue. If you haven't already, be sure and set up a, a Social Security account at ssa.gov. Create your profile so you can look at your earnings history and make sure everything looks correct. Because many times people are getting to age 65, 67, 70 years old and drawing Social Security, and somebody's already been drawing off of their tax ID number. Uh, Thank you so much, Special Agent Andy Corbett with the Tennessee Bureau of Investigation. That's been very informative. Thank you for your time. Thank you for having me. We've discussed fraud and exploitation because a greater community can provide for more living so you can live the best years of your life your way. Thank you to Riley for engineering. Thank you to Jill for producing. Have a blessed weekend. He is risen indeed. This is News Talk 98.7 WOKI. More living with Jim Brogan. The views expressed by Jim Brogan and his guests are not that of Cumulus Media. Any discussion of financial, legal, and tax planning strategies is not intended to be individualized advice and is general in nature. Always consult with your advisor for advice specific to your needs. This program's content does not represent a recommendation of any particular security, strategy, or investment by Jim Brogan or Brogan Financial Incorporated.